Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. But it is a joy to be here with uh, you dear people and have this opportunity. I've heard uh, much about your ministry and I, I thank God for what he's done for the many years uh, that uh, Pastor has been here and the good things that you have done. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to a very familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, I'll be speaking on this subject, History's Greatest Summit Meeting. Now, if you Google summit meeting, uh, you, you will find that uh, in the history of mankind, there have been many, many great summit meetings. Let, let me give you just a couple of them that uh, you'll probably be familiar with. Uh, now, you, you weren't around at this time, okay? But in uh, 1918, after the end of World War I, uh, people got together from all over the world, leaders from all over the world, and, and they formed what they call the League of Nations. And they announced to the world there will not be any more wars. Okay? All the wars are, are, are over. We've all got together now. And uh, there has not been a time since 1918 that there has not been a war somewhere. Okay? Now, in uh, 1945, and uh, a few of you might have been around then. I'm not sure. I was. But 1945... After World War II, uh, again, leaders from all over the world, great uh, presidents, the prime ministers, kings, and so forth, they, they all got together, uh, and they formed what we know of and is still in existence, uh, the United Nations. And they were supposed to have settled all the problems. I'm not sure they've ever settled any problem, Amen. But anyway, they've uh, spent a lot of money and, and so forth. But uh, those were two great summit meetings. But uh, th this morning, I want us to think about the greatest summit meeting in the history of mankind. Uh, you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I'm, I'm going to begin uh, thinking about, and we'll start reading with uh, chapter, verse 5 in just a minute, okay? But uh, in, the letter, in the first part of that, and by the way, this is also found in the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John, okay? And uh, early Sunday morning, after the Lord had been crucified, buried, and he had been in the tomb, some ladies got together. Uh, we're sure that there was Mary Magdalene. We're sure that there was the mother of James. Or we are, are sure that there was a woman by the name of Joanna. And uh, uh, Luke mentions uh, other women. So there might have been several women. And uh, uh, they're, they're going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Now, I've often thought uh, why they were doing that. Because in reality, when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus buried the Lord, they, they were responsible for that, uh, they anointed his body. 
And for the life of me, I've not been able to figure out why these women did it, except for the fact that they probably got to thinking and said, you know, men can never do anything right. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to do it right, okay? And uh, you know how women are, okay? And uh, so uh, here, here they go, and, and uh, as they go, now you have to read um, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28 and uh, Mark chapter 16 and Luke chapter 24 to get this, okay? But that's good. Now don't do that, what? Don't do that reading while I'm preaching this morning. You listen to me, okay? But uh, maybe that would be good after you go home. But, but as they were going to the tomb, one of the, one of the things that they were talking about is uh, how are we going to roll away that big stone from the mouth of the tomb? If you've ever been to the Israel and saw that tomb, why, you can understand the, the problem that they would have had. And uh, when they got there, to their delight and to their amazement, uh, the stone had been rolled away. And, and by the way, it wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. Okay? I mean, after that, he just walked through doors, okay? So he could have walked through that stone, that, that big stone, just as easily. Uh, so it, it wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so they could go inside and see that it was empty. Praise the Lord for the empty tomb, amen. Uh, so the, the angels came to these ladies and they said, Now, uh, we know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen from the grave. Thank God for a resurrected grave, a great resurrected Savior, amen. He's risen from the grave. Now, uh, so the, the, the ladies, they stood there and, and listened to what the angel said to them. Look at verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. By the way, when, when I went to Israel and we went to the uh, tomb, we had, of course, a, a Jewish guide. And he said, uh, there, there is a... Uh, a controversy uh, whether this is the tomb and, or whether it's the Church of the Immaculate Conception and so forth. And of course, all of us knew that it, that was the right tomb, okay? But anyway, he said, but it doesn't make any difference where he was buried because he's not in either one of them, amen? <laughs> and uh, that was a good testimony from Jewish. So, so these angels say, he, he's not here. Uh, he's, he's, he's risen. Uh, come see the place where the Lord lay. Past tense. He used to be there. He's not there anymore. Okay? Now look at verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. Look at that word, okay? So the angel said to the women, Now you tell his disciples to go to Galilee and meet him there okay uh, look at verse 8 and they departed quickly from their sepulcher for the with great joy 
and did run to bring his disciples the word. Wow. They were in a hurry. We, we've got to go. Tell them this. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus saw them saying, All hail. And they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Now notice again. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee. All right? Now the angel said to those women, okay? Go tell his disciples to meet him at Galilee. Now Jesus meets these ladies and they worship him. And then he says, now go tell my brethren, same thing, the disciples, and tell them to meet me at Galilee. Okay? Now, Galilee, that was the world's greatest summit meeting. Look at it, beginning with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away unto Galilee, unto a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. The angel said, tell my disciples to meet me at Galilee. Jesus said, tell my brethren to meet me at Galilee. And now they, they've gathered together, okay? And here is the greatest summit meeting of all time, okay? And let's, let's go ahead and read the rest of that chapter, okay? And when they had, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There were some Baptists there, okay? <laughs> Even though they saw him, there's, some of them are still done. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now I submit to you, this great summit meeting at Galilee was the greatest summit meeting in the history of mankind. Now, uh, it was not great because of the number of people that were there. At the summit meeting at the end of World War I, uh, there were a great number of people from all nations around the world. Uh, again, at uh, 1945, at the summit meeting where the United Nations was formed, uh, there were a great number of people from all of the... Uh, it was not great because of the number of people that were there. Uh, it was great because who was there? And the who is Jesus Christ. So he's, he's called his disciple. Then it was the greatest summit meeting because of the purpose of the meeting. Why did Jesus want his disciples to meet him at Galilee? Because he was going to give them the mandate. He was going to give him his plan for world evangelization until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. So it was a great, great purpose. 
Then it was the greatest summit meeting of all time because of what happened after the meeting. Didn't much happen after the League of Nations. Uh, a lot of money's been spent, a lot of time's been spent after the, uh, the forming of the United Nations, but uh, uh, to be honest, not, not a lot of good has been done. But think about what happened after this summit meeting. Number one, the disciples went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, they got people saved. A uh, great number of people. At the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved and got baptized. Then, then the, the church of Jerusalem began to grow and grow and grow. And finally, persecution uh, uh, came along and, and the disciples were scattered abroad everywhere. And wherever they went, they were preaching the gospel. And uh, here we are now, some 2,000 years after that, and we're still doing what the Lord told us to do at Galilee. The greatest summit meeting of all time. Think about it. Uh, in, in the world today, there are literally tens of thousands of Bible-believing churches like Bible Baptist Church right here that have met together and they're preaching the Word of God and they're going out soul winning and they get people saved. And millions and millions of people have been saved. Churches have been started. Bible colleges have been started. Seminaries have been started. Hospitals have been started. Orphanages have been established. Why? Because of the meeting at Galilee. I mean, great things have happened, and thank God, they're still happening. Amen? So it was the greatest gathering of all time. Uh, in verse 18, you have a great proclamation. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Wow, now what's it? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I have authority over the demons. I have authority over nature. I have authority over sick. I mean, all power is given unto me. Could I submit to you, that is a unique proclamation. Now, some other people have told us how great they were, but that they weren't nearly as great as they thought they were, okay? I mean, Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Hey, by the way, if he had not said that, Verses 19 and 20 would have been a literal impossibility. Huh? Because without him, we can do nothing. Uh, I, I love John 15, 5, where Jesus said, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then at the end of that, he said, Without me, you can do nothing. Uh, you want to see an illustration of that? Go to the grapevine. Pull a branch off of the vine. See how much it will produce. That, that branch separated from the vine can do absolutely nothing. And whether we realize it or not, we are totally dependent upon God. Without him, we can do nothing. 
But he said to his disciples, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. You know what he's saying? He, he makes the promise down at the end of verse 20. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now think about it. When we are involved in the Great Commission, and that's getting people saved, you know, it's on and on. <coughs> when we are involved in that, we are working with omnipotence. And by the way, it does not matter where you go. You're not by yourself. He said, lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you. In other words, as you're going, as you're doing what I tell you to do, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Without that proclamation in verse 18, we could do absolutely nothing. But because of that, the, all the great things that have happened is a reality. God's people working and God working with them. So the great proclamation and the great promise, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And let's look for a few minutes at the great commission. The great commission. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Literally, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's our job as the church. Hey, by the way, that's the job of Bible Baptist Church. That's the job of any New Testament church is to go and make disciples, okay? Go therefore and teach all nations. Okay? The Great Commission. Uh, by the way, how do you make a disciple? Go therefore and teach only. Go therefore and make disciples of all ethnic groups. And the word nations comes from the word ethnos, which means ethnics. Ethnic groups. Go ye therefore to all. And by the way, there are hundreds of nations, but there are literally thousands of ethnic groups all over the world. Aren't you glad Jesus died for the sins of the whole world? And he wants the gospel preached to every creature. And in in uh, the gospel of Mark, you have this very simple command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many, how many people have you heard make this statement? My biggest problem is, is that I just don't understand the Bible. All right, listen to this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is there anything in that passage difficult to understand? No. I think it was Mark Twain that made the statement. It's not what I don't understand that bothers me. It's what I understand and I'm not obeying that bothers me. Make disciples. How do you make disciples? 
Number one, you evangelize. You evangelize. By the way, this is not the job of a few people. This is the job of <clears throat> everyone who calls himself a disciple. And by the way, if you are a born-again child of God, you are a disciple, you are a follower, you are a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is not the job of a few people. This is the job of everyone. Uh, go ye therefore and make disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And then he said, baptizing them. Every once in a while I'll, I'll meet somebody and, uh, you know, they may sprinkle or they may pour or they may do anything else that's wrong, okay? And they say, well, uh, why do Baptists make a big deal about baptism? Because the Bible does. Jesus got baptized, amen. All of his disciples got baptized. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved, and they got baptized. And I've had people say to me, how in the world do you baptize 3,000 people in one day? And I've said, oh, would to God I had that problem, amen. <laughs> if they get saved, we'll baptize them one way or another, okay? Now, again, baptism has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You're saved by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. Okay? But it has everything to do with your obedience to Christ. You're obeying Him. You are following Him. You are identifying yourself with the Lord. You are identifying yourself with a body. You're identifying yourself with certain doctrines and so forth when you are baptized. Now, I've had people say to me, and by the way, I'm, I'm glad that we know that at least one person went to heaven without being baptized. <clears throat> the thief on the cross, amen? And I've had people say to me, well, the thief on the cross didn't get baptized, so I don't need to be baptized. And I always say to them, are you a thief? <clears throat> are you on the cross dying? If you are, you don't need to be baptized, okay? Hey, by the way, Years ago, I was preaching on the radio in Kentucky, Muhlenberg County, and uh, I preached about this thief going to heaven, you know. And uh, when I got through preaching, the, the manager of the radio station said, uh, Brother Sis, there's a lady on the phone that wants to speak to you. And I thought, well, that, that's good. Somebody heard the message, and they were blessed, and they want to tell me about it. When I picked up the phone, I said, Don Sis, and she said, I wish you stupid Baptists would read the Bible sometime. She wasn't complimenting me. <laughs> and I said, well, we do occasionally, okay? <clears throat> and she said, uh, the Bible does not say that the thief went to heaven. The Bible says the thief went to paradise. And I said, well, Jesus said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise and I said if Jesus is there it's heaven amen, amen. <laughs> now the thief did not get baptized and he went to heaven then there's probably a lot of people who got saved on their deathbed didn't get baptized so baptism is not necessary for salvation but it is absolutely necessary for obedience 
And if you've been saved by the grace of God uh, and you've never been baptized, then you're a disobedient child of God. And you, you ought to make that commitment to do that. Uh, I've, I'd have, I've had people say to me, well, I'm praying about being baptized. And I say, you don't have to pray about it. God said, do it. Amen. Uh, I mean, there's some things you just, God said, do, and, and, and you, you do it. So how do you make a disciple? Uh, you, you evangelize. How do you make a disciple? You baptize them. How do you make a disciple? Then you disciple them. You teach them. Look at it. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay? Teaching them. Uh, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. That which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that's a wonderful plan, isn't it? I mean, you know, every generation, they, they, they reach their generation. And, and by the way, this is our day. And I believe from the depth of my heart that we that call ourselves disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have as much obligation and opportunity to preach the gospel and evangelize the world as they did in the first century. It is just as binding on us as it was on them. So you have the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. How can we, how can Bible Baptist Church, how can any church for that matter, how can we fulfill the Great Commission? A lot of times people, churches get together and they say, well, we've got to figure out a, a, a doctrinal statement or a, a, a plan for the event. It, it's right here, amen? It's right here. Uh, how do we? How can we fulfill the Great Commission? Number one, we can all go. Go ye therefore. Now, I don't mean we can all go to the mission field. A lot more ought to go than is going. And I believe from the depth of my heart, if more of God's people were willing and would lead, uh, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, many more people would be going to the mission field. Now, it doesn't mean that we can all go to some mission field, but we can all go somewhere. Uh, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's my job. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples got together and they basically they're saying, uh, let's have a prophecy conference. What about the second coming of the Lord? Jesus said, no, let's have a missionary conference. Amen. And, and this is what he said. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's not for a few people. That is for every born-again child of God. Now, I've heard people make this statement. Well, soul winning is not my... 
spiritual gift. And by the way, you're right. It is not a spiritual gift. It is the command of God. It's not for a few people. It's for everyone. Go ye, therefore, teach all nations. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. You shall be witnesses unto me. It may be that you need to be a witness to somebody in your own house. Huh? Maybe a brother or sister, maybe a mother or dad, maybe someone else in your household that does not know Jesus. You ought to be witnessing to them. It may be that you need to be a witness to the neighbors where you live. It may be that you need to be a witness to somebody across town. It may be that some of you need to be a witness to somebody across the world. But all of us are witnesses. Either a bad witness or a good witness. Amen? Amen. And by the way, all a witness has to do is to tell what he knows. Huh? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you couldn't be a good witness. But if you have been born again yourself, then you can be a witness. So we all can go. Then number two, thank God we can all pray. Uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, uh, the Lord was telling the disciples, or Peter was telling the people there uh, what they were. And, and he said, for you are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. And then he said, you are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? The word royal means you're part of the family. Huh? You're part of the family. A royal priesthood. A priest is somebody that talks to God about people. A prophecy, a prophet is somebody that talks to people about God. And uh, uh, the, the wonderful thing is we are a part of the family of God. You know what that means? That means we can talk to him anytime and he's listening. I heard a uh, preacher one time, he was trying to tell people how important he was. He made this statement at a big conference. Even my wife and children have to make an appointment to see me. And I wanted to sing to him the song, How Dumb You Are, Amen. <laughs> Instead of how great you are. Now, he was trying to tell everybody how great. And, and I've often thought, uh, my wife and I were married 65 years. By the way, she never once made an appointment to talk to me. Now, thank God she preached to me a whole lot, amen? And I needed it, okay? <laughs> but she didn't have to make any appointment. Uh, I've got two children. In reality, Virginia and I were not scriptural. The Bible says multiply and replenish the earth. Uh, we didn't do that. All we did was replace ourselves, okay? <laughs> but I've got some friends that help average that out, okay? I've got friends that have as many 10, 11, 12 children, okay? So together we have a lot of people. All right. Think about it. Anytime my wife, anytime one of my two children, and by the way, now I have six grandchildren. Someone as well said, grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children, okay? <laughs> so I have, I have six grandchildren. And I, I never dreamed, you know, when grandchildren started coming along, that they would ever become insignificant. But lo and behold, now I have 11 great-grandchildren. And the grandchildren don't mean much anymore, okay? 
Hey, by the way, anytime my wife, my children, their mates, my grandchildren, their mates, my great-grandchildren, anytime any of them wants to talk to Papa, my ears perk up. Anyway, you are a child of God. And God is listening. He wants to hear you pray. We can all pray. We, we talk a lot about praying. We preach a lot about praying. The only problem is we, we don't do nearly as much praying as we ought to be doing. All of us can pray. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all manner tempted even as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Question, is this a needy hour or not? What should we be doing? We should be praying. All of us can go somewhere across the house to another friend, a neighbor, a, a loved one in the home, across the street to a neighbor, across town, across the world, if God leads us. All of us can go somewhere. And all of us can pray. What a wonderful privilege it is to be able to come to the throne of God and know that he is listening and he wants us to come. Then we can all give. Oh, you say, I wish you hadn't said that, amen? <laughs> but we can. By the way, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about giving to missions. And he makes this statement, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Listen to that statement again. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Now, a lot of times when uh, women hear that, they say, that's good, let the men give. <laughs> but he's not talking about gender there, okay? Every mankind, every man, every woman, every boy. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If at Bible Baptist Church, every member gave something every week to missions above their tithing offering. See, that, that could increase your mission program greatly. Uh, all of us can give. Now, I, every once in a while people say, well, I don't have, it doesn't make any difference how much. All of us can give something. I like the rest of that verse. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I was at the church one time in Kankakee, Illinois, and the pastor said, now, we're going to take an offering. If you can't give cheerfully, just keep it. And I thought that might be dangerous in a Baptist church. <laughs> Years after that, I was with Dr. Tom Wallace in Louisville, Kentucky, he said, now we're going to take an offering. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, but said he'll take it from an old grouch. <laughs> and I thought, well, he might take it, but the old grouch will lose his blessing. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Okay. 
And then the next verse says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what Paul is saying? If you'll give, God will continue to give to you so you'll have to give to the world. Evangelization. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, according as he purposeth in his heart. Isn't it wonderful? 2,000 years after, 2,000 years plus after this great summit meeting, you and I have the same privilege and the same responsibility as did that group of first century disciples. By the way, aren't you glad they didn't fail? Huh? If they had, we would have never heard. And this is our time. And if we will fail, there will be people all over the world that will die and go to hell because they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 